0: Welcome to the Bridge in the Gap podcast. This is Josh and this is Max. And I guess what we have to say is first of all, if you're listening to this right now, thank you. I believe that <laughs> it must mean that either um, you're you're a very forgiving person or you didn't hear the, the last one. the last one that we had. We had some technical difficulties, and so we actually uh, we 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 waited a week till we could figure some things out. We're we're for the next two weeks we should be cooking with gas for sure. Exactly. But um, I finally, I tell you what, that Google phone number that I had has been nothing but trouble. It finally finally ended. I feel like today was the day. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, uh, I was going to say for those of you guys who weren't here, but I guess that's everybody. Everybody. <laughs> um we I I finally um I was trying to call my dad for Father's Day and I just could not get through and could not get through. And also over the course of the last week or so, I've had a couple of uh, people who have Claimed that they were calling me, who I, the calls never went through, and/or calls that I've made that haven't went through, and so and the, the bummer is is that the way the Google number worked was that it became the default number. So I also had people <laughs> who who I I think would have answered my phone call if they'd have known that it was me me calling, but they were just getting random numbers. I think from like Placerville or something. Like it's not it's not even Elk Grove number. Exactly. But, um, so after the next week, we're going to try to record via Zoom and we'll see how the audio works for that. I heard, um, I can't remember whose podcast it was that I was listening to where, well, I, I heard the, um, uh, the Zoom like connection sound ah. and then the conversation began. I think, I think it was, um. Um, the nerdist. I can't remember what the nerdist's name is. Do you? Do you uh, Chris, no, I, Chris I, Hardwick. I, you, oh,
1: okay. I, I never got in. I never got into that. I'd always. It's always popped up in my feed. Mm-hmm. But no, I never really got into it.
0: Yeah. Is uh is is there anything that you've been listening to, whether it be podcast oriented or? Oh uh, well, let's anything see.
1: Podcast or, oriented. I finally. I finally became a member of a Patreon.
0: Oh actually, my goodness! Yeah, Holy moly! Okay, so what? Who, who has inspired this? Wait, hold on. You're not just hinting that we could put <laughs> no no, okay. no 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 no
1: so it's a future um well so, so it's a comic by the name of mr ryan sickler oh okay uh-huh. who does his original podcast um was uh the crab feast where he would interview comedians have them tell wild stories then he that kind of petered out and then he just um because he had a partner and the partner i guess didn't want to do it anymore there was something to it um anyway he started doing it again on his own called it the honeydew and where he interviewed comedians, and then he started a podcast for his Patreon called The Honeydew with Y'all, which is where he interviews um, just his fans. Oh, Who wow. have the craziest stories, because they send in an, an email a little bit, this is what I did, or this is my life, or this is this. I've heard two. One was with a guy whose mom um, used to hang tight with the Hells Angels. Okay. And the other one was a guy whose job was um, corpse cleanup. So because – so bees when he, so bees, if you think about it, after someone is murdered or a crime – a messy crime happens, the police don't clean up. Oh, no. I've they just – yeah. they just collect evidence. Right. They're just like, here's the bullet. Here's the this. Here's the fingerprints. And they just say goodbye. They leave the house exactly as it was once they get all their evidence. Who's got to clean it up? This guy for about a $100 an hour, which is exactly what it would take for me to clean up bodies.
0: <laughs> I, I'm curious. I know you're not a specialist here, but
1: – who pays
0: this hundred dollars? So it... that
1: was the crazy okay. thing. Okay, okay, so it's gig work, right? Right. So it's li- so he could have another job while doing this, right? Because it's you get paid by the job, and normally by said the body, it, <laughs> by the body, yeah, <laughs> by the body. Well, actually, so we said, yeah, um, but so, um, but so we said what normally happens is it's either family of the dead, or it's um or, or actually most commonly it's real estate brokers. 'Cause people die and it's the person's house and they oh, wanna sell the house. Okay, okay. So they gotta get someone to come clean up. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, it, it was it was very interesting. He had one particular story, um, about how it was a similar situation. It was a particularly brutal murder. Um, the real estate um, manager had called him and said, Hey, you have to do it well, if you have three hours to do this, which turns out was not a lot. <laughs> and it turns out it's not a lot. Deal with the blood, and also, um, after the three hours, family's gonna be there to pick up the stuff. Guys, okay, cool. Well, the family gets there a solid two and a half hours early, oh and my. gets through the front door, and this this had, this had spread through the house too. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> what a horrible job. Yeah. But I, but
0: I guess I guess if you're if you're able to do it. That at hundred bucks an hour, it would be 100 worth hundred an hour if you could somehow disassociate yourself. But which he also said that most of the time, also that
1: luckily enough, most of the time it was not a murder; it was an almost murder. But um, because they'll still get bloody and crazy, or just
0: in but but an old dead person, someone... or an
1: old well, well actually, there's a different guy that does <laughs> old dead people, but that's. <laughs> That's also a hunting with you hall, a dude who um actually up and because up in Canada they've got it all socialized. Mm-hmm. So up in Canada, those guys work with the police, come in and clean it all up, and it's government funded.
0: That is trippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. You, someone, I mean, someone's I guess gotta someone do, has it. To do it. Well, and you, you, I mean, how cruel would it be to leave it to the loved ones? Exactly. To do it but do you expect you know the police do have other things they need to be doing too they've got to find out who killed this guy and and you need to have someone who's fairly dedicated you can't have have someone who's (laughs) half-assing you You can't have someone
1: who finds out monday bob on thursday you're filling out time sheets and yeah by the
0: way (laughs) Uh, may I ask, what are there any other benefits that come with this Patreon? Oh uh, no, it's just just the extra podcast, just-
1: but it's 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 quite it's a lot of fun. It ends up being if you pay for the year, it's four fifty a month, well worth it.
0: Okay, okay, uh, for 54 bucks, right?
1: Uh, yep, uh, four dollars and 50 cents a month,
0: right? I'm so it I ends was up doing, 50, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, 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 okay. the math. yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm fairly decent at it, uh, mental math, yes. but sometimes, sometimes I like check, okay, well, that and I assume it's it's a pot a week, it is indeed,
1: be. yep, and you, and you still get the regular honeydew too,
0: okay, well, you know, that that might be something I, I wonder if if only there were something freaky that we did that we were able <laughs> to monetize <laughs> because, um, let's see, so uh reading reading <laughs>
1: reading what you... i've been i've been getting into your stash of books uh-huh. um because we, we've talked about the bob spitz led zeppelin book so much kind of the bob spitz beatles book which is also i'm about 20 pages into it but that's motivated me to go back through do after even more old beatles and that's uh, tunes in- music tombs. okay and i uh, and i specifically went to help as a first album because i feel like it's not, um, the, um, please, please me. No. So, because like, I really love Abbey Road. It's one of, it's many people's favorite album, you know, in their favorite albums ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a big, big shift some point down the line in Beatles. And I, I'm not as familiar with the cat, the catalog, but like around Sergeant Peppers mm-hmm. little before, little after, like there's a shift and it's weird hearing the stuff before the shift because a lot of it blends together. Which just for um, a re-up of memory, Help has Help and Yesterday. Those are the two. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh, no, tracks. no, I, I, you're right. Yes, everything else blends into
0: itself, I feel like. You know, that's it's such a funny... Um, uh thing to kind of try to contextualize and i i also i've actually actually so i'll, I'll go a little bit tangentially to this I'll, I'll make my way back to the beatles for sure but I've, I've had a bit of spare time as you know um i have been you know not working so that's the <laughs> challenge gives one time to lamp and um i so i've also gotten it was interesting i, I read a series of books um, in a row, a series of two books in a row that kind of connected to each other. The Elvis book? Uh, no, no. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of the Elvis book, and I, I have a feeling actually this is the, the 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 first um of a two volume series, and I think it's the series that the new uh, movie is going to be based on. That will be cool. loose, loosely based, loosely based on because it's on. Baz Lerman, so it's yes. going to be some sort of crazy. We'll get into that later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but nonetheless, one of them was the um the chronological history of Pink Floyd, uh, which was fascinating because um, I, I think of myself as a Pink Floyd fan. But as do I. Uh, uh, you, oh, yes, I, absolutely. Now now that you've made the transition. But I realized that I'm really primarily familiar with or have been familiar with um, Dark Side. Um, the Wall. The dark, dark Side. The Wall, not as much, actually. Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, and Animals. Animals. And then Metal also. But Metal has always been mostly – for like after a show that's the go to sleep album mm. um and so so to read about all this and so i i have very little familiarity outside of like the the mythology of Sid Barrett, and having heard your favorite album "Piper at the Gates of Dawn," of course. Um, it, but so so the first third of the book was really challenging to read. Um, but because I didn't ha- I didn't know the it was written by a guy from England, and by the way, it's called "Comfortably Numb." If anyone wants to look it up, by a guy from England, and so there's all sorts of stuff about like people they grew up with, what neighborhoods Places, they lived in, and stuff like that. They that were I Liverpool, heard. right? 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 No, they were not. But uh, I, I, I the, <laughs> and, the Beatles <laughs> Yeah. yeah, um, and, But it was really fascinating to read that in conjunction with the um, distribution of uh, psychedelics or in particular LSD in that area by um, um, like academics. And so like there was just this massive influx of, you know, chemical LSD just flooding that area um, and, you know, obviously very, very LSD influenced. And the reason why I bring that up is because the other book that I read it was called um, how the Beatles knew what they knew or how they knew what they knew. I I I think it's how the Beatles knew what they knew. And I bought it thinking that, um, that it was about how it is that they wrote songs, even though they didn't know music. They, they were, were not, they were not uh, music theory. They're not theorists. Right, right. They didn't know music theory. And I've always been struck by just the majesty of the melodies and harmonies and chord structures and all of that. And so that's what I thought it was about. So I started reading it and I learned very quickly that um, that was it was not about that. It was about drugs. No, well, no, it was about uh, society, period. And how it is that the Beatles both marched along with what was going on in society and drove what was going on in society. And um, what was fascinating is that, it, so basically the, the thesis is, well, and also I felt misled, um, initially frustrated by it because it says how the Beatles knew what they knew, but it was really all about Paul McCartney. Um, and so it, it takes a chronological look at Paul McCartney's work um, all the way up through Abbey Road. And it kind of... Puts, which, which actually, I have a question. Um, Also, um, like,
1: as we now know a lot more about Abbey Road and Let It Be, how would you say it contextualizes his work in relation to the other three Beatles?
0: Uh, he was the driving force, especially at that point in time. Those, all right. Yeah, those th- that was absolutely his... Um, baby abbey road was his baby uh let it be was an experiment it was an outlier from everything else that they'd done up until that point um the other Beatles were kind of getting tired of being bossed around by him and that's why he allowed them to a- add the game back. To there's no doubt that he was the driving factor uh, i had an interesting conversation with jimbo actually this week about it where he insists where i so i talked about how the um the the story is remarkably Arthurian if you look at it in terms of the Beatles, of the Beatles in, in total. You okay. know, that there's this there's there's this point at which um there's this task that must be accomplished that looks like it's impossible. They accomplish this task. Is this Hamburg, Germany? Is this the German No, place? no, no, this is post that. This okay. is post that. I'm just talking about in terms of their kind of taking over the world. And it looks like it's impossible. There's no chance that the, this group of individuals would do that. All of a sudden they do that. All of a sudden now it looks like you know, a perfection can occur. And, you know, there's all this opportunity and all this hope in the world. And gradually it starts to crumble until it all falls apart. And then there's the seed for someone else to pick it up a long way. That's, in a nutshell, that is the the Arthurian nature. Jiff, nature. Oh, okay. Right, 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 exactly. And I had told Jimbo that, um, that it's interesting because uh, if you look at the, if you look at the Beatles as a whole, it's that way. But if and if you look at uh, John Lennon, it's also that way. Yes. As it, yeah. Well, thank you for being as, as confident as you are about my assertion here. Whereas. Um, he had just, dis- and well I, well,
1: well, I feel like the ending to a story makes um, cements that
0: too. Well, the, his point was, and I, I don't mean to misrepresent it, um, is that I had said that the interesting thing about Paul McCartney is that he gets beyond the Beatles and, in yes. fact, moves on and is far is as creative and is able to continue to do things that um, you know that the other Beatles were not able to do. And if you, my argument was, if you look at John Lennon's. Uh, recorded output over that period of time you see the dwindling in terms of his his productivity and in terms of the quality of the productivity barring certain, um, anomalies like Imagine, 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 which of course is probably globally one of the most important songs of all time or pop songs of all time. And, um, anyway, he went, he gave me a list of the John Lennon songs that he felt that were far, that were exceedingly important and versus the Paul McCartney songs that were exceedingly important. And, um, I believe that it ended with us agreeing to disagree. Although his, his point uh, fundamentally was that success breeds success. And so it's not a surprise that Paul McCartney did well because he knew what it felt like to be successful and therefore was more confident moving on and then ended up yes being successful i'm so, I'm, I'm yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. say we have drifted we've drifted far so, away so I what's just, the book called again <laughs> <laughs> it's called how the Beatles knew what they knew anyway <laughs> the crux of the book to get me back to the book was that um uh Paul McCartney basically flowers as a musician when he's living with Jane Asher and Jane Asher is an actress and and, but he's living with his with her family, and his, his his her dad is a psychologist at the time too, a very very famous psychologist at a time when psychology was kind of on the, the niche. niche. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And that Paul McCartney had access to not just psychological um, philosophies, but also psychological manuscripts of like interviews with patients and such. And if you look at the language that he uses in his songs. Part of the reason why it works with, with us is because he uses that psychological language. If you even look at one of his base, the, the first songs, like, She Loves You, She Loves You, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is from a third person perspective. That is an outsider telling someone else that someone loves someone else. That is, and, and if you think about love songs before that, it was always, I love her, she loves me, I love her so much, blah, blah, blah. But that there's this third, Entity here in this that helps you as the reader reader associate with the Beatles and also disassociate. So, so he basically
1: oh, <clears throat> okay. So his his musical writing style, just to simplify this, his musical writing style help the audience feel like the Beatles were narrating the better parts of their life.
0: And they were able to then associate with it and also, though, disassociate them as individuals. So that Also part of the deal with the Beatles was that they were almost interchangeable, but you could still pick your favorite Beatle. But there was always a Beatle to match whatever move that you possibly could have been in. So they, they were able to both be individuals and this symbiotic entity at the same time. One might call them the original K-pop group. Oh, for sure. Well, absolutely, there's no doubt about it that the the K-pop success uh, has a lot to do with that. And then he goes into, or she, she goes into um, each of the songs as they go chronologically, identifying the parts that Paul theoretically wrote, and you see a lot of that third-person language. Well then, additionally, during this time, psychologists were doing massive amounts of research with LSD. LSD and mental patients at the same time too. But they were full and what they realized after doing the research on LSD and mental patients was like, well, you know, perhaps our our <laughs> our sample <laughs> group is not, some, not representative not of the larger. <laughs> right, right, right. And um and, and so then they said, Well, you know what the best way thing that you should do is you should have give it to Randos. Well well, no, that's the third that's the third <laughs> step. The, the the next step is that you have the person who's doing the interview take the LSD as well <laughs> as the person who's doing, who's being interviewed, but you had, you gotta have a third person. Yeah. there. You know <laughs> well, because that's what the observational
1: watching is. them all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But then, then as it goes forward too, there there becomes a branch of psychologists who say, "Hey, you know what we should do is just give it to people and tell them, hey, go figure yourself out,' and then come back and tell us what you figure out." And go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, which, by the way, theoretically, that 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 happened to Charles Manson. Theoretically, no, Charles that, Manson that, is included, in this. That it's yeah, not theoretically. Yep, yep he was that, most that's, definitely. That's part how of that. we had. Yep, it but, was. Um, what's the place called? Pay Ashbury. Yeah, no, Paid Ashbury Free Medical Clinic. The the. the Unabomber, Unabomber, yep. Unabomber was included. Also. Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter, writers for the Grateful Dead, prior Not to surprised. joining the, the Grateful Dead, they they, they encourage people to uh,
1: Ashbury Free Medical to, to
0: also use um to take old folk songs in Americana and bring them back into like it's just it was such a fascinating like mind trip and to think that it was used by um b- b- simultaneously by the military as an attempt to use it as a truth serum, and doctors and psychologists to to try to help people at the same time. And it, it was such a crazy thing. Nonetheless, The point of this is, is that the Beatles, and as as you see, basically Paul takes acid between Rubber Soul and Revolver. Uh, George and John have been taking it before, but you see this distinct break in terms of their music as it moves forward from there. And then all all of a sudden becomes about um, dislocation from being an individual. All you need is love is what the, the conversation, Strawberry Fields forever. I am the walrus. All these things about trying to get beyond and outside yourself in order to recognize where your place is in the world. And that mirrors what's going on in society at that very time. In fact, they like uh, get back. They yeah, they engineer the Monterey pop pop Festival, which they don't perform at, but they they um, it choose the performers who are there and purposely and the Monterey Pop Festival is held like within I'm tw- um, sounding like a, you know, crazy stoner right now, but with, within like 20 miles of a major CIA headquarters. And they distribute massive amounts of free LSD to people um, at this concert with all sorts of CIA agents walking around, just, uh, just observing what it is and how it is that people respond to this. And it's just this amazing thing, this idea of this like world opening up, And then to see it close, again, back to the Arthurian thing is that we as human beings get this sense that we're able to like, and it's, I mean, it's fundamentally the story of just aging as a human being period, um, that we think that there are all these massive opportunities and choices and just as you start to close out, it starts to close down only to open up for another generation again at a a different time um that was a little bit more than i had intended on going i I had a different sort of uh conversation that i'll have another time about just the subjectivity of just books in general and documentaries that i can talk about at another time but um it it has been it was just i i was really bummed during the first 10 pages and i ended up reading it like and you were like oh yeah. I like 28 hours, I ended up like staying up late at night and thinking uh, like um, Molly, Molly was like, are you all right? And right? I'm like, no, you know what I'm thinking about? <laughs> because part of the deal is, is um, the other way that works were these overlapping personality characteristics. So that's the four Beatles sort, sort of thing yes. that you see the whole, but it's because all of these things are overlapping. And I started thinking about like the nature of um, like, we as individuals, like I am the me who I think I am for sure. But you know what what else I am? I'm the me that you think I am. I'm the me that Molly thinks I am, that Sabine thinks I am, that that, that some turd at school thinks that I am. I'm all of those things. And the crazy thing about it too is that um, the me that I am to you really is only important in terms of the way that it modifies you in the way that you, the way in which you understand me is really only a reflection of your learning yeah. to understand yourself and that's why whenever you interact with yeah, somebody,
1: back to the beatles it, but
0: no well no, no, no in a way in a way and by the way no drugs were involved in this conversation <laughs> but, but but in that same way if you think about it everyone that you interact with probably you think you understand better then they think understand that you, that, themselves. Well, well, then they think that you understand them at least. True. You you have this sense of them, and the trippy thing is when you start to think about it is they feel the same way about you, okay. and their perception is just as true a, of about you as your perception is about you.
1: That's the Rick and Morty argument. Uh, no, uh, no, no, I,
0: I, no that's no. I thought that you would be down
1: with this yep. sort of conversation because that's the, because the because in the Rick in. The show Rick and Morty. You've got these two characters, Rick and Morty. One's a follower, one's elite, one's a changer. And there's a um, a tweet. I think I saw from one of the creators, and it was kind of like everyone thinks they're Rick, but this changer. But really, most people are followers. Even the people who perceive themselves. And it's a, and that's just that's an that's an example of someone else using this perception thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. It 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 was it was just a real mind trip because then I started thinking. Well, also then, like anything that you know about anybody is totally, totally subjective. What you know about, say, your grandpa well, or your great grandpa is dependent upon what you've heard about them. And so, if your, you know, aunt, you know, never really liked your grandpa. Then she's gonna say bad things about your grandpa, or if your aunt knew that your grandpa was, you well, know. Well, I got a different example. Actually. Okay, go this ahead. This be so. Actually, this is a faith example, actually. Okay. Because you know, and
1: this is this applies with actually even like all friends. This applies with people where before you meet their parents and you hear stories <laughs> about their parents. There's, there's, they'll you know come to school say, my parents said this, my parents said that. There's always a level of trust in your friends, when they're like, my parents said this, where you're like, okay, I guess their parents said that. Then you meet their parents. I met face parents. So now when she says, my parents said this, I'm like, yeah, they said that. <laughs> that's, that's something they said. Like before there was that, there was, I said there was that trust, that perce- that image I created of her parents, where I was like, I guess they do that. And I'm like, they do that. <laughs> right,
0: no, it's it's just really trippy when you think about it. And then to think that all of our personal histories are totally subjective. Yep. It's it's wild, and but ev- and everyone's is you are interacting every day with everyone who is crazy and making decisions <laughs> based on absolutely subjective phenomena. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, what else have you been reading? <laughs> uh, well, I. I... <laughs> that that actually took up a lot of my, my mental my my uh, yeah. mental energy. Um and so I actually as as indicated before I started that Elvis biography, but it's been about four four days, and I think I've read about uh 90 pages or so. Nice. It's good, it's good, but it's not the same. The, it, it, this made me think so much and so much about like uh, nonfiction. About nonfiction and just about the way in which human beings like progress and make changes as a society. It was just it, it was it was very very powerful especially in the context of me thinking eh, uh well yeah, I guess up, right? I guess I'll read this. Guess I I, mean, I really yeah. wanted to hear some funny stories about, you know, uh recording things yeah, or whatever and, and trying it, things out. Right, right. And that was not at all what it is what it is that I wound up with. I think we're going to take a quick break right just here. Just a quick break.
1: And honestly, I feel like how I ended up. That we'll be right back. Like, like, don't worry, we'll be right back. That's almost like how I talk to uh, the kids during the swim lessons. Really? Oh yeah, it's the same, similar. Like that's the. So I'm in lifeguarding now, officially teaching swim lessons. It's the starfish, which are like the little kids around, like three years old. I think is the oldest, and it's like just turned three. And then there's um the the uh seahorses. Those could be like seven, eight ish. It depends on how well oh. they can swim.
0: Also, didn't you say? But that's from like five to eight. It can be like is five, it... to eight. There's
1: a big range because it's all about like that's the more broad
0: range of skills. Well, and is there's a survival expectation? There that, right? is. There is the, indeed. That's... They have to
1: be able to uh, float. I believe that's the that's the <laughs> expectation. After that, we teach them everything else.
0: And breathe after and, floating. And
1: breathe after float. There's this one kid I got. <laughs> so we're doing. So we're teaching them how to do freestyle, right? We call it bubble arm breathing arm because, you know, you have your head underwater, blowing bubbles, head out of the water to breathe. I got to keep reminding this kid to breathe when his head's out of the water because I see him. His lips are just sealed shut and he's swinging his head from side to side. I'm like, dude, you have to breathe because then in 30 seconds he'll stop and just (laughs) (laughs) your head's out of the water. (laughs) But um, uh, um, but anyway, it's the weird thing, though, about um, teaching lessons because I can also hear myself then using the voice to like regular people. Mm-hmm. Like to not three-year-olds. Uh, like, Do you want to get in the water right
0: <laughs> You know, um, I might have been accused in the past of using my teacher voice. Of a <laughs> teacher, <laughs> teacher voice? Yeah. It's, it's weird. Explaining like, <laughs> <I'm> some <sure. laughs> But <laughs> that's, that's definitely a curse of the trade. <laughs> But anyway
1: we have honestly we've watched two really fascinating things uh, I feel like in the past uh, 72 hours uh,
0: we we have you know um, so there well there's death on the Nile there's which, death on the Nile which we, which is fresh oh it is which is super fresh I, actually and um, I enjoyed it quite a bit i I made a fairly um bold statement I would say. When I said, and it, I was just spitballing it, but I was thinking that Agatha Christie is probably one of the top ten most important novelists of, of the twentieth century.
1: Cent- That's what you said. Now, I don't know enough about um, specific authors that I can name. Popular authors to make myself sound smart, I can name Ernest Hemingway. I can name John. I can name John Steinbeck. I can F. Scott name Fitzgerald. F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um. Uh, I can, uh, who, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, I can name, Mm -hmm. I can name names. I can't say whether or not like how important they were. I mean, I would argue also in the same, in the same way that you argued downstairs that she's because you, because you said how she built, the genre, yeah, of, of mystery, mysteries. As we, I un- would then also the say yeah. Stephen King.
0: You know what? You know what? We did not talk about this ahead of time. That's. I was really chewing that over in my mind when I thought of the Agatha Christie thing. Because initially, I said, I, or I didn't say this, but I was thinking it before I was speaking that I that I could say top five. I don't think I could boldly say top five. And one of the reasons why I thought of that was Stephen, Stephen King. King. And I think that, okay, I think one of the criteria that one would have to use, uh, we're not going to make a list necessarily, but we're just we're chewing it through. Um I think to be prolific. Numbers of copies sold. Well, and not just numbers of copies sold, but number of um pieces written, I think is significant. I think that's what slows down because, someone because like Because then a, you
1: got J.K. Rowling.
0: Right. seven books right but do-
1: seven of the seven of by the way the greatest fantasy books ever seven books
0: but doesn't change i i she definitely i don't think is at all on the list um because i think that she doesn't uh create a genre necessarily she may be a master true but of yeah, i would say
1: she's also though i would say a master of introducing kids to reading so many kids were like Harry Potter, kickstarted a love of reading for them. Well also Ricky Orton with Percy Jackson. No. Which I would never say okay, is one okay, of the okay, best. Okay, but I'd say like if we're talking like just this is a slightly different topic, but like kickstarting a love of reading. Harry Potter and Percy Jackson.
0: Okay. Well, um, that's interesting because again, my I guess my criteria was most important. Most important. And then
1: we still we're back to Stephen King. Um,
0: Tolkien. I think Tolkien writes what the the cornerstone of what contemporary fantasy becomes. I mean, obviously, uh, to get back to the Arthur thing, fantasy did exist before, but not necessarily not um, what Tolkien did. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So, so I I would say Tolkien. I also uh, I would put Isaac Asimov on there because of um, his work with uh, ethics and robots, and, and
1: and he he built sci-fi
0: right yeah 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 the, so so I, I think that that goes in there too
1: which also i would not say for another person who built sci-fi um hank herbert is that who wrote down? frank 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 herbert. herbert i would not say him because again it's the one the one series yeah yeah
0: not prolific enough. exactly so what's what is weird you know tolkien's not prolific either true
1: but also he made fantasy like dungeons and dragons exist with all of tolkien's stereotype everything that tolkien made
0: is, Dungeons, is and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons right? He, it is. It is the quest exactly. version of
1: right. Exactly. It, it. Yeah. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is Lord of the Rings choose your own adventure.
0: Well, and I guess you're right because we're talking 20th century. Because, like I mentioned, the Arthurian stuff existed before, exactly. and obviously, like you know, Gilgamesh and or the Odyssey yes. existed before. But if we're talking straight up 20th century, and it, uh, so then that boots out Mark Twain. Yes. Um. And so that does make it a little bit more simple. Um. I do still feel a little dirty though about the Stephen King thing do you think i
1: don't because there is the body of work there's the popular there's the fact that everybody i've known has had a stephen king phase right they've had a kick where they were just stephen king every day stephen king every day like and um and 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 i feel like again it's more it's inching towards the introduction thing mm. he has probably created again a love of more adult books like he's probably um he has booted more people out of the young adult section than probably any other. That, author. Boy,
0: I like that criteria. I, I, I can, I can buy that for a dollar for sure. No, no, I, I'm yeah. definitely, I'm definitely down with that. Well, and the, okay, so just as a side note, the expression "I'd buy that for a yeah. dollar" is an old '80s reference to a movie called "The Running Man" with with Arnold Schwarzenegger that was based on a Stephen King book, and <laughs> it, it's like this, um, uh, what's it called? A dystopian future where like everything becomes super commercialized and it's it's like a uh, televised version of the most dangerous game. Oh, you know who forgot? What? L. Ron Hubbard. (laughs) (laughs) I actually I sat there in process for a minute. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. Um, but um, it's a dystopian society yes. where everything's commercialized, and it's like the most dangerous game. And they're the the host of the most dangerous game. That's his tagline. It's always I'll buy that for a dollar. And for some reason, that's something that's stuck in my lexicon for 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 forever. But death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. Um, it was. How did we? Oh,
1: that's right. Um. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it was so. So, uh, it was kind of a, fo- it was a follow-up to Murder on the Orient Express in the same way that all of Agatha Christie's books were follow-ups to each other. You could pick up any of them, but not yet. it it's was not nice it, sequel, was, but... it was nice watching the previous one, but you didn't have to have.
0: Thankfully, because it's, I had not. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, it's classic. Um, The detective gets invited to a party, and someone dies.
0: Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> I know,
1: right? Which, by the way, I was surprised at how long that took. Me too. I, I I liked how it paid off, but I was still I was I was expecting it about um ten minutes in and it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I
0: don't think we need to say who died. No, 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 um, no, no. no. So, I mean, someone did, but right, right. In fact, more than one. Per- I think it's fair to say that more than one person died. Yes. I I don't think that we're giving away too much by saying that. Um, yes. Uh, but I. Do you think that it was reasonably figure outable? No, I do not. I, okay, yeah, I, I, I do I, not.
1: Um, and that, and so normally I don't have. Normally I like, I like a story. Sometimes I like a mystery you can't figure out. That's why me and Sabine um, were so into Sherlock, the the hmm. BBC TV series, where it's like hour and a half episodes. Um, oh yeah, that was not figure outable. No, it never was. It was always something that Benedict Cumberbatch would like, just you know, a detail he would see, a nail that was scratched. But it was go- It was fun because still it was. Interesting, like, still, there was something to motivate. The fun was watching him figure it out and not trying to figure it out for yourself. It did, though, make me like it is not figure outable, and that was frustrating when watching something that is advertised as figure outable. Mm. sherlock was never advised as you being able to figure it out
0: well i'll tell you what is uh figure outable which i which i would recommend that at least you watch the first two episodes of especially if you have some appreciation of um improv is a murder Ah. Uh, because that is that's Absolutely figure figureoutable. Um, you might not figure out the first one because you're not, you don't know how the clues come or what the format is. What the vibe but, is. But after the first one, you understand what you have to look for. And um, it's really clever because it, the the actors, the, the guest actors are, it, well, it's all improv period, but the guest actors have no script and they are there for all the investigation. And at the very end, they are asked to describe who the killer is and why they feel that the killer is that. And then it's told, you know, then they're told either you got it or you did not get it. And then it's explained exactly how. And every single one of them is very figure outable. And um, some of the guests are done, you know, it's based on their ability, their knowledge of improv, of improv. Which and is so specific. It, it is very specific. And I'm surprised that the ones that I was surprised at the ones who couldn't do it very well. But then the, my favorite one is the guy who's a football player who has no experience whatsoever in improv. His name's Marshawn Lynch. So if you get a chance, it's episode number two, Murderville with Marshawn Lynch. And that guy is so full of joy and he comes to play like he's he there's no doubt about it that he's there to have as much fun as possible and um, he's saying yes to everything he's He's yes and he's a yes and for sure and i was stunned at how many um no's there were from from people who just didn't know like that's not the way it works and it's it is funny too because the worse the guest is the harder will arnett is working to make it all work and um, so, so highly recommended if you've not, if you've not checked it out, Murderville, especially episode two, it's, they are not all totally fulfilling, but if episode you, two, the episode, episode two is absolutely fulfilling facts. As, <laughs> as, as, as Lynch would say. <laughs> and then the other thing that we saw, uh, which we waited for quite a while, um, it's been out. Well, we wanted to watch it together. Right. It was so, so important. So powerful. Um, is Norm Macdonald's final special called Nothing Special? And um, do you would you want to want to speak to it at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, I do actually. It it was it
1: was very interesting because it because first off, it felt to me kind of like um seeing how it felt. Like, that was a golden
0: hour. Oh, should should that, we, should we describe what, and, what, yes. what how it's oh, yes? Yeah, yes,
1: great idea. All right, so Norm or So basically Norm um was in mid in the middle of 2020. He dies in 2021-ish, but in the middle of 2020, um, he was going in for a surgery that he was told he might not make it through, which he did, but because he didn't think so, the night before he died And COVID
0: protocols were such and
1: COVID protocols were such that he couldn't perform. Exactly. So the night before he died, he just set up a recording camera and in one take just did what 45 minutes? Uh, at least yeah, prob-
0: probably about 40, 50,
1: yeah. 45 minutes of stand-up. And it was norm.
0: And he took pauses for where he thought laughter would be yep. and took pauses for where, where he knew laughter was not. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was full on norm. It was it was interesting because it was so clear and, and oh and at the very end after it's done, they did an interview of like a panel interview. Yep, of Letterman, Chappelle. who who's, uh, who's the, uh, uh, the lady? Uh, uh shoot! All, Kate, uh no. Ah, yep. shoot! All of a sudden, I blanked. She on She didn't her. say
1: anything, so it's hard to remember. Yeah, she
0: she said a couple things, Um, uh, but yeah, she didn't say very much. Doggone it! I'm, now I'm embarrassed because Molly Shannon. I Molly was going to say Shannon. she was on Howard Stern um, a couple weeks ago too. And uh, Conan Adam, O'Brien and Adam Sandler Adam and David Sandler Spade.
1: and David Spade. And, um, that was, I, and honestly, I, I think I liked that part more only because we'd seen the special, like, I didn't want to just go through YouTube and find a bunch of people praising Norm, but mm-hmm. it felt good after seeing the special.
0: Right. Well, it struck me how methodical Norm was about everything that he did, every pause, every like turn aside, everything. Especially, it was so clear how methodical it was because there was no audience. So he was doing all the same things that he does when there's an audience. Yes. But just the audience wasn't there. The laughs weren't there. And and they were norm jokes. They were totally norm jokes. And the funny thing about norm jokes, and maybe we're going to nerdy norm, um, <laughs> is that part of his appeal, though, is – the illusion that it's actual that it's it's chaos the illusion yeah. that he really it doesn't know what he's saying so that he's, he's just
1: up there riffing
0: right that he kind of stutters and stammers and uses funny words that are not necessarily appropriate for the situ- situation and and to to recognize that no this is all like A precision skill yeah precision work absolutely he's put in the 10,000 hours and he does not care if people don't think it's funny. Yeah, exactly, it's, it's almost like it's better if it's a, <laughs> if it's a bomb for him and to see the gleam in his I'm, eye. it's the gambler in him. it. There's no, it, well, they address that. At yeah. The, yeah. 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 For sure. That, that it, Normie might've had some, some gambling issues and that that's the same, that it's probably the same sort of adrenaline rush that when it you works. get. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When it works and um and so it, it was really powerful i i am a serious serious norm mcdonald fan I, I i think i told you that um that the thing that cemented my love for norm mcdonald was seeing him on dennis miller's show like in like 1995 or something like that some sort of one that we we randomly um, uh, recorded off of HBO and he was so good that he threw Dennis Miller off and at the time Dennis Miller was very um, professional and on top of his game and Dennis Miller just could not keep up with him the movie Dirty Work is an absolute classic with Artie Lang um, I know it's been said before um, so it's not my original thought but the notion the notion that Norm McDonald and Bob Saget are dead and Artie Lang is still alive <laughs> It's just unfathomable <laughs> to me. Yeah, our oh, yeah
1: links, He's, he's still, kicking. still kicking. He's got still the working. genes of a champion. Yeah, he's
0: got the genes. The, 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 the the the, the, they have to. Anyway, what, 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 what I know this weekend, this week on Tuesday, you've got stuff. to look I've got college to. orientation
1: on Tuesday, so I'll have I'll have a story or two from that. I bet it, it'll be a long one, but I'm excited, and I um.
0: I'm excited. That's awesome. It'll well, be interesting. Well, hopefully, well, thankfully, you are listening to this right now, and you know that our sound quality is back to is back ideal. To normal. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you know that next week's sound quality will be uh, just the, the tip, exact top, same, tip top, tip top, tip top. Uh, um, but what I really want you to do is cross your fingers. Hold your breath. Well, don't hold your breath because we got two weeks. Yeah. Um, but but uh, the the third one, we're gonna see. Like I said, we're gonna try. We're gonna to see do, what happens. We're gonna try to do some Zoom recording um, so that we can uh, maintain this endeavor as Max moves on to the uh, brighter lights of Chico. Yeah. Um, in the month, I'll be
1: making those brighter lights too. Right, right. In
0: in the meantime, um, please, please, please remember: once in a while, you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right.
1: See you guys around.